From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 415. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace, Sourcegraph, and Capital One. My name is Mike Hurley. It is the Summer of Fun. Summer of Fun. And I'm joined by Jason Snow. Hi, Jason Snow. Summer of Fun. Hello, Mike Hurley. Happy Summer of Fun and happy Upgrade to you. And to you, my friend, and to you. I have a hashtag Snell Talk question mm-hmm. to start yes. off this week's episode. In case you're new around here, Snell Talk is to uh, get us started in the show and avoid small talk. And this week's question was submitted by listener Mac, who says, If the summer is the summer of fun, what are the other seasons? The other, like, upgrade seasons? The, well, sure. Okay, we... we 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 can start with winter because that's easy because we've already defined it. Mm-hmm. It's the winter of of no content. Yeah, <laughs> the winter of no content because there's yeah. no content in the winter. So like no. you know we think summer the summer's bad, right? Just, we came up with the summer of fun because we like to do fun things in the summer because usually there's it's quiet for stories and, and news in the summer for us to talk about. So we have to be a little bit more creative. But truly, the problem is winter. <laughs> it's yeah. like over time, it's kind of shifted. But now here we are in the summer. Yeah. But it's like that, those winter months. So like those first three months of the year. Ooh, that's where yeah. the, well, the summer. The summer of fun doesn't exist because there's nothing going on. It exists because there's not a lot going on because it's that cruise until the fall. The beta hasn't been announced. And then we're kind of cruising. But also it exists because you and I and many people travel in the summer. And so we ended up having those scenarios where we had to have weird episodes that were out of time, you know, mm-hmm. we're banking it a week in advance or that. And that led us down this path to sort of making a theme out of it because the summer got really weird. Um, some years where, you know, there was one where like you were gone and then I was gone. So like I did the, I did that thing that was like live from that automation event. And then the next mm. time, and that was a delayed one. And then I came back and I think you were gone. There was a whole, like, it, that's why we do summer of fun. So winter, yes, it's true. Winter is uh, is rougher. And so the winter of discontent is the winter of no content. I came up with two, two potential okay. ideas sure. here. Now, I'm not saying we do this because we don't need a brand for every season. No, no we don't. I was thinking fall of plenty because the fall is the best time of the year, right? It's just stuff sure. happening left, right, and center. And then springing towards the summer, because in spring okay. all we're doing is waiting for WWDC at that point. Yeah, there's that's fair. Sure, sure. But I I agree with you that we don't actually need to brand the other seasons. No. But just for Mac purposes, we'll mm-hmm. go with that. It's like you know, in, in the sense of like we have always had in our mind this joke of like the winter of no content. Yes, that one we got. In the, winter. the other ones haven't happened yet. Fall of iPhone. But follow yeah. really everything. Follow everything. everything now. This is the thing. It's not just the iPhone anymore, it's right? It's just literally it's all kinds yeah, of everything. Stuff. If you would like to help us open an episode of Upgrade and be involved in the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk for your, with your question or use question mark SnellTalk in the Relay FM members' Discord. I have some follow out, Jason Snell. If you are listening to this kind of at the start of the week, Monday or Tuesday, you have a very short time of left to get your own Upgrade Summer of Fun t-shirt. So uh, this is going to be cutting off, I think, on the 13th um, for most people. But like you got find out on the, on the page, it has like a localized when the end of the sale is. But if yes. you're on the page, buy the shirt. Go to UpgradeYourWardrobe.com. Uh, don't wait any longer, because if you wait much longer, you won't get one. 
Uh, Wednesday, July 13th, 2022, at 5 p.m. Pacific time, Mm -hmm. it's over. It's over, which is also, uh, just to make things more complicated, I will give you what it's like for me. Uh, Thursday, (laughs) the 14th of July, 2022, at 1 a.m. British summertime. All right, so so Mike... Can you, when you edit the show, can you like put in like a JavaScript or something in the podcast yeah. that localizes that? Yeah, so wh- that. whatever we say, it'll just come out in the time that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, good. That's, that's easy to do, right? That's yeah. like little little JavaScript, low PHP. Dynamic time insertion. It's dangerous when I I was listening to a reconcilable differences episode over the weekend, and uh, it's dangerous when I do that because then I try to turn this show into, <laughs> into the nonsense of reconcilable difference. Anyway, oh, yeah, put some pH. Put some, I, I feel like that, that, yeah, I was I was driving us off the rails there. Yeah, put, mm-hmm. stick some uh, JavaScript in there and uh, localize that time to UTC, uh, yep. to Unix epo- epoch time. Yeah. And then um, the po- your podcast player of choice will then uh, emulate our voices mm-hmm. saying the proper time. I would just like to state for the record that you said that listening to Reconcilable Differences has made you silly. We spent 45 minutes doing BuzzFeed quizzes last week. You were fine before listening oh, to Reconcilable Differences. <laughs> I, I was so, no. I think I think what you're saying is I was already kind of uh, yeah. Uh, so mess, you, messed you up. were you had this. You've you've got this on your own. You don't need any uh, inspiration from anyone else. Anyway, uh, if you are a Unix computer, uh, buy a T-shirt for your computer frame. Uh, buy one six five seven seven five six eight zero zero in. Uh, Unix epoch. Perfect. Thank you so much. Helpful. If you enjoy this show and want more of it, you should subscribe to Upgrade Plus because you will get bonus content every week and no ads. And special for Relay FM members, we finally did it. <laughs> this year's RPG adventure crossover with the Cortex podcast is now available for oh, Relay yes. FM members in the crossover feed. This is available for Upgrade Plus, but this is also available if you are a member of any show here on Relay FM. You get access to the crossover feed, which features tons of bonus content from Relay FM hosts. Uh, we did it again. We continued on our story from last year. You also get access to the whole history of that feed, so you can go back and listen to our previous RPG adventures if you want to. And we had Tony come in, Tony Sindelar from the Total yes. Party Kill podcast on The Incomparable. Um, and Tony was our DM again as myself and Jason and Gray. Uh, we went on a supply chain adventure. We did, yeah. We we these are our characters from last time where mm-hmm. we're in a uh, in in space. I was gonna say futuristic, but I think the idea is that it's literally we are plucked from Earth and deposited in a wild uh, space scenario. Yeah. And in this case, a uh, very simple uh, need for the bar that uh, we were deposited in to replenish its its supplies of mm-hmm. like chicken fingers and fries and stuff mm-hmm. from uh, the food. But the delivery hasn't arrived. So we just got to go get the stuff. And uh, it goes from there, I guess I would say. I really love this there. one. So mm-hmm. like I've always enjoyed these. Last year we did, we kind of switched it up. So we were doing the text adventures where Jason was at the end. But we wanted Jason to play with us. So uh, we brought in Tony, who's an experienced dungeon master, to craft an RPG. And Tony adapted a previous story. But my understanding is this one. He basically created this story himself. And he did. I think it's fantastic. I think he did he- such a good job. We had such f- so much fun. This was the most fun I've had editing one of these in years. Um, he did such a good job. And like it was, it was really great. It took a little longer. Uh, my COVID recovery slowed down the edit. 
Um, but we got there and I'm really happy with how it came out and I'm happy that we took the extra time on it because uh, it's it's really great. So you can get this for yourself by going to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up uh, and you'll get access to Upgrade Plus and the crossover feed where you'll find this uh, RPG adventure. But wait, there's more. Jason Snell has joined MacBreak Weekly on Twitter. It's true. It's true. I'm expanding. Uh, what I said on Twitter is my goal is to eventually, you know, have a podcast uh, every day of the week and twice on Sundays, mm-hmm. or at least sometimes it seems like that. Yeah. Um, so so our we're saying goodbye Fre- to Jason today. Bye. Is one no. of bye, Jason. My last. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, my my our, our good friend um, Renee Ritchie, mm-hmm. who was at iMore and has been doing his own YouTube channel for a while, he has. Apparently, a new job that hasn't been announced yet. Um, people are thinking that it'll be with Apple. I kind of think not, especially since um, he he I think has said that he he'll come back from time to time. People who go to Apple don't come back from time to time. They just well, go. And they do, gone. but under an official auspice. Yeah, I, I doubt that will happen. But anyway, so we'll see. I don't know. It's Renee's announcement to make, and I honestly, he hasn't said, and I don't know. But uh, he, it required him to leave MacBreak Weekly on the Twit Network, and I have been a guest on their shows, especially the main Twit show, on and off for quite a while. And I know those people, and you know, our friend uh, Micah works up there, and of course, Leah Laporte runs the whole thing with his wife Lisa and they're also local they're in the North Bay they're not that far away from me and so uh, they offered me Renee's slot essentially and I was kind of honored to uh, to be offered it and so yes you can see me leaning back not being a the uh, the co-host or producer or anything but just being one of the panel just kind of fun mm-hmm. weekly on Tuesdays at twit so I'm looking forward to giving that a, a start tomorrow. One of my very first podcasts that I would listen to was Matt Break Weekly. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's it's people are asking. I mean, first off, I don't think there's actually a lot of overlap. They have a that every time I go on Twitter, audience. I'm surprised at how yeah. different their audience is from our audience. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and like I said, I I the difference. Somebody asked, "What's the difference between Upgrade and Mac Break Weekly?" I'm like, "Well, I mean, Mac Break Weekly, uh, the producers make the list of topics." Uh, Leo runs the show, uh, and I will be one of three, you know, panelists talking to Leo. Uh, Upgrade is a collaborative process where Mike and I make the show. We talk about what we want. <laughs> this is like this is my show and Mike's show, and MacBreak Weekly is Leo's show that I will be on. So mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a totally different thing. The vibe is different. It's all different. So if you want to l- give it a try, or if you listen to it, you know, I'll be over there. But uh, but it's not not going to be the same as here and that's that's no. good i'll be i'll be providing my you know whatever it is unique jason perspective to whatever they're talking about mm, sure sure are we going to talk about like inserting javascript for a time code on a podcast over Maybe. on a twit probably not probably not who knows it's my guess yeah who knows it's a podcast anything can happen uh by the way though if you do love tech panel shows we have a great one here at relay fm it's called clockwise Jason mm-hmm. was one of the original hosts of Clockwise. It's now yes. hosted Co-creator. by Dan Warren and Michael Sargent. Michael is also on uh, a bunch of Twitch shows too. Yeah. I have a lot of crossover now, which I think is nice. Uh, the most recent episode of Clockwise featured Flo, who's on Material, uh, and Matthew Bischoff. They were the guests. They were talking about stuff like online privacy, target advertising, that kind of thing. Clockwise is never longer than 30 minutes, so it's an easy one to add to your queue. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. Yeah, check it out. And I'm going to be doing, uh, if you want, even more of me again. Oh, my God. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna Summer be doing some fill- <laughs> yeah I'm gonna be doing some fill in hosting as a favor to Dan and Micah uh, I think starting next week so I'll be on uh, Clockwise a lot this summer mm. uh, which is great because I demanded it uh, when I knew they needed a fill in because um, it is near and dear to my heart Dan and I did create that show and worked really hard on that format and I'm really proud that it continues to be a great show because that uh, you know it's it's just such a fun unique format and um, and less than 30 minutes and uh, you know it's all it's it's worth it it's worth it if you want a kind of a sampler of different voices and different topics and not have a, another 2 hour podcast dropping in your in your podcast mm-hmm. app D- definitely check it out clockwise is the beneficiary of a unique feature in the relay fm cms which is the ability to adjust who the hosts are on specific episodes mm. as opposed to the entire show so if you go back and look at the older episodes, Jason's there instead of Micah. Yeah, so. it's true. Uh, I have some follow-up on iPad and Universal Control. So I've got a few okay. little things on this. So uh, I think I mentioned this on the episode, but I also had some people suggest to me like using uh, shortcuts to turn on low-power mode as a way to lock the iPad. Well, now, this is for your status board. For, for my status board status thing. Board. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the thing is, it does low-power mode doesn't lock an iPad if universal control is enabled. So maybe this would work after I leave the studio, but it's not as reliable as I would want it to be. I'm going to test it out more, but I, I, what I was hoping was somebody was going to write in and say, oh, there's this really easy way and shortcuts to turn, like, to turn an iPad on and off the screen, but there isn't. It would, it's always going to be a bit of a hack. But to be honest, I actually think it's mostly okay. You know, like, at the end of every day, I unplug my MacBook Pro from the, the monitor to put in my bag, and so as part of my kind of, like, shutting down the studio procedure, now I just lock my iPad. It's not actually that much more complicated. Um, but the, the thing that I, that I do, I still might want to do, though, is uh, try and set up a smart switch for the power situation because i'm plugging and unplugging that ipad a lot and it's annoying me but i also don't want to leave it continuously plugged in like drawing power always um so i think i might get a smart switch and and just like kind of wire it up and just have it turn off in the evenings and turn back on in the mornings i think i might have i think i might set that up anyway i don't know if it's if it's asleep i don't think it's going to matter because it's only going to draw power when it needs to and it will let its battery kind of drop down and and yeah i know but I'm, I'm weird with this kind of stuff all right i'm weird with this stuff i leave my ipad plugged in all overnight all the time Most no i do time. that like Every i charge day. my phone or whatever but this would be like it would be plugged in 24 7 365 days a year yeah, well that's yeah that's and true. i don't need it to do that like if i was away for a week i don't need that ipad to remain consistently charged you know so like, that just okay. feels like a waste of electricity so I'm I'm thinking I might just get I might get another one of those um smart like power strips that you can I've spoke about these before. I don't remember the name, but I'll put them in the show notes. Uh James Thompson uh, turned me on to this company where like they have a, a smart switch that you can individually automate each of the switches in the smart switch like a like a power strip. So that you can have you can like break it up mm-hmm. and it can be like four individually addressable automatable uh, sockets, and so I might just get one of those and plug it into that. Uh, I think I'm going to do that actually. Once uh, I knew, I knew. So here's the thing: I knew if I stalled for long enough, 
there. James, James, would, James would tell me in the Discord the name of the company. Real time. It's called Miros, M E R O S. Miros, they make these products, and we've been using them at home for a long time, and I, and I really like them. So I think we're going to get another one of these because it does like native home kit. Like you don't need to use an app, and I like that. Right, like I don't need to use the Miros app or Miros Bridge; it just works with HomeKit. So hmm. I'm gonna get myself one of these and uh, set it up. Uh, I will say, over the past week, I have had better uh, reliability of Universal Control. It's been reconnecting more frequently, but not all the time, and sometimes just disconnects whenever it wants to. Uh, so, but many Upgradians wrote in to tell me that they have a flawless experience, which leads me to believe that it is the beta, like me running the iPadOS beta is making it odd, which I did expect, right? But uh, I, I was happy to get that feedback. Um, I also had a bunch of Upgradians write in to tell me about the Logi Options Plus app from Logitech. It's a beta that they've got running right now, uh, specifically to address issues with universal control. And it's odd. You have to have Logitech's Logi Options app already installed, and then you install this, which I think is kind of like a plug-in for that app, but it makes the scrolling work in you, with my Logitech mouse in Universal Control. So it's doing something to like just get all of that together. I don't know how it's doing it, but uh, I'm happy to have it because I now can scroll whenever I want to. Nice. And finally, the MacBook Air is available for sale. Uh, it went on sale at the end of the week. Um, as expected, availability got very thin very quickly. Like basically what it seems like almost immediately and now is like if you want anything other than one of the base configurations, you want if you change anything, you're into August uh, before one of these things will come to you. You ordered one, right? I did. It's the same thing. Yeah. I, uh, let's see. For the record, midnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, 16 gigs of RAM, 512 SSD, and first week of August. Yeah, that's what it kind of seems like. I think they made a lot of standard configurations, right? Which mm-hmm. they probably know that they sell a lot of base model configurations. So they made a lot of those. So there's more availability of those. And then everything else. I'm not even sure this is a traditional sort of like, oh, whoop, just like that. They're, they're sold out. I, I feel like it was more they had a... I don't think things necessarily slipped much to get to August or late July. I think it was more like you could either get a stock one next this week or you could wait for one of those configured to order models because those were going to take a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so definitely if you want to get your hands on one like Friday stock configurations at an Apple store, maybe. Yeah, I mean that might be the thing, right? As you said, like they they because sometimes even Apple have in store some basic upgrades. Like you might be able to get one with a little bit more RAM from a store, but that's on the usual times. And right now, it doesn't seem like stock is a usual thing, right? It's all it's all weird right now. But there you go. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website. You can engage with your audience and sell anything from your products to services, even the content you create with Squarespace. It is a full package. They've got you covered. They've got you covered with everything from the beginning of your website to growing it and then going beyond. So you start with Squarespace by just choosing one of their beautiful templates. They are best in class and are really easy to customize to fit your needs it is as easy as browsing the category of business that you want to run or the type of site that you want to make 
to find a really good starting place, but it's very easy to customize with just a few clicks. You can change fonts and colors and the layout. It's very easy to do that on the web. You don't need to know any code to do any of this. And then if you want to make a blog, it's very easy to get blogging. They have powerful tools for you to share stories, photos, videos, and updates. You can categorize them, share them, and even schedule your posts so the content will work for you. But maybe you want to have a store. Whether you sell physical or digital goods, Squarespace has all the tools that you need to start selling online. And then once you've got all this stuff set up, you can use insights to grow your business. If you've ever wondered where your site visitors are coming from, where your sales are originating, which channels are most effective, Squarespace lets you analyze all of this. Then once you have that data, you can improve your website and build plans based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. This is really great. All of this stuff is fantastic. Squarespace continues to grow into just like an indispensable tool. It's whenever I want to put something online, it's where I go. And you should too. Go to squarespace.com slash upgrade and you can sign up for a free trial with no credit card required. Then when you're ready to launch, use the offer code upgrade and you'll save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash upgrade. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code upgrade to get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for their support of Upgrade and Relay FM. So we're up to beta three now. And I think that we've both had some changes on our devices in the sense of what we're running the betas on. So I think it might be time for a bit of a check-in. Uh, where have you got betas going? A little beta, right now? beta update. Beta update. Uh, I am well. I I took the plunge and installed the beta three of iPad OS on my personal iPad Pro, mm-hmm. which, um. You know, it's a little scary. Um, I, I, there's, a, there's an annoying bug. I use my iPad so much, and um, there's a bug. I mean, it's a beta. There are bugs, but the one that really annoys me is there's a software keyboard bug where a lot frequently apps basically lose track of where the top of the software keyboard is, and so the text entry field is below the top of the software keyboard, so you can't see it. Yeah. And the only solution yeah. is to quit the app and relaunch it and then you can see it and then it gets bad again and you have to do it again and that's just a thing that's in there and it's annoying but I can I can live with it. Um I did this all right before I went away for a long weekend and so I haven't spent time with it in uh a smart keyboard or a magic keyboard or in um uh monitor, you know, external display mode. So I can't talk about stage manager from that perspective right on uh i'm not convinced stage manager is the right approach when you're just holding an ipad in your hand right like i'm not sure in most cases at least the way i use my ipad that i need stage manager when i'm just holding my ipad in my hands using my fingers to touch it like eh, i don't know not entirely convinced maybe there are scenarios but a lot less so than if i'm in the keyboard based scenario keyboard and pointer based scenario so i've got a i I mostly used it even over the weekend with stage manager turned off but i am looking Mm. forward to um, now that it's on my you know my my ipad pro um, spending some time with it in the magic keyboard or attached to the studio display so in developer beta 3 there was some new stuff that came to stage manager uh, and I was playing with some of that because I have it on my iPad Air, right? The one that I'm using for my status board. So the multitasking menu, that little pill thing, 
uh, it got some new... It's kind of presented differently now. It used to just be like three little icons. Now they have text labels, which I think is a good move. And there's also a close button, a fourth close button now. So you can minimize and you can close. Realistically, I feel, feel like on iPadOS, there isn't a difference. Like I can't really work out what the, the difference is, but I guess maybe it returns to the little tray on the left if you minimize. But happily, as I know you wanted... Uh, Command W now closes Windows. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Um, they have a better presentation for multiple windows. In fact, there's one that works. That, that If you had like a one to select between multiple <laughs> windows, you'd go into that like, I don't know, like kind of like an expose kind of mode. Uh, it didn't work on previous betas. They, they fixed that. Uh, full screen apps and iPhone apps now work better in Stage Manager. So previously, if you had an app that kind of couldn't be resized, you couldn't put any other windows in that kind of space with it, in that stage with it, you can do that now. It kind of just, mm. they overlap. And uh, you can run iPhone apps in there. You know, you can't resize them, but you can have a bunch of iPhone apps on screen. So you finally, iPhone apps are useful on the iPad because... You could have, say, an iPhone app and an iPad app in the same stage, where yeah. up until now, if you wanted to use an iPhone app, it was just this huge, disgusting thing <laughs> on the screen. So that's really cool, I think. Yeah, I I used this with some iPhone apps over the weekend, and what I found is that I, I couldn't consistently see the uh, window control thing, which is kind of necessary. mm Okay. So, you know, being able to I see. grab it mm-hmm. and minimize it or close it or whatever. It, it I had some iPhone apps where it was sort of like just a floating thing, right, with no controls on it at all. But this is the idea. Um, I wonder if this is like literally part of the Mark Gurman report from whatever, two years ago, that eventually, you know, you'd be able to run. Well, I guess that was on the Mac, right? You'd be able to run iPhone Mac. apps on yeah. the Mac. This seems This seems a little like that, though, where it's like, yeah. We have a context now where anything can be on your iPad. Why would we not let those iPhone apps run in the little iPhone-shaped window um, with other stuff going on? In fact, last year I did a mock-up. I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before, of what a uh, an iMac on on an sorry an iPad on a an external display would look like. 5K external display, and that was one of the things I did was like let's take an iPhone app and have it be like just a little window on the screen. And uh, it looked great. And it looked exactly like this, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, I mean, ideally you'd like to be able to resize them and that requires it to be more iPad-y, mm-hmm. but it's nice to not have, uh, to open an iPad. It's the worst to open an iPhone app on the iPad. And some of them don't even do rotation. So if you're holding it horizontal, you launch the iPhone app and it's vertical and you're like, oh, I guess I'm going to turn my iPad now. Um, and even if you just want to get out of it, you can't flip up um, from the bottom once it's in that orientation because once it's in vertical you have to turn it and flip up from the bottom or or flip up from the side it's weird anyway so this is this is progress um i still wish that tapping the blank space behind the applications would take me to the home screen i know that Mm. you can do this on the mac right if you click it shows you the desktop I wished it would do this. They just added in beta three on Mac OS uh, with stage manager, the ability to just show the desktop, like your actual desktop all the time. It just Mm. stays back there. It doesn't hide the desktop. And I didn't realize how disconcerting it was for my desktop to be gone because I I flipped that feature on. I was like, 
Oh, and then you can just like drag things open from the desktop and it's not, it doesn't get weird about it. So I think they're, they're making some progress on the Mac front too, but I agree with you. It's a little weird that you can't just use that as a shortcut. To Especially get to the when screen. they insist on there being that kind of space there, right? They insist on showing me this blurred image. So yeah. if it's always there, make it useful. I think they will do this because the Mac does it, but I think it's just like a case of priorities. Uh, I will say, I think personally, uh, we're up to beta 3 now, developer beta 3. It's not on any non-M1 iPad. I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, I think they, uh, you know, the people who are upset about it are upset about it, but... Yep. It's, it's yeah, kind I... of blown over mostly now, and... You know, I'm sure people were annoyed about it, but like the news cycles moved on, right? They've not released a statement, nor have they changed it. So I think this is it. And uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. personally, I don't have a problem with it. I just want because stage managers continuing to get better, right? And so I don't want stage manager as a feature to to have a bad launch because they have to like kind of put it in handcuffs so it can run on different hardware. That's where I come from, anyway. Uh, I have the iOS beta on my iPhone, and I've been playing around with that a bunch. Uh, I put a, put beta 2 on, but now I'm running beta 3 as well. Um, I've been really happy with the lock screen stuff. Um, I think I've been able to get my lock screen looking really good and really stylish, I think. You know, like changing the font. I'm using, um, what do they call it? It's not SF New York. The New York font. Is that what it's called? They have that, like, you... they, they have a, a serif font. Apple has a serif font. So it's not San Francisco. I think it's hmm. called New York. Am I, have I lost my mind? They have a new font. Yeah, New type, York. Right? It's called New York. Yeah, so I'm using the, yeah. I think it's NY. the New York font, which is like, it's a little bit more like, I don't know, cool in a way. Like, uh, so I've been using that as the time. I think that's the time option is what it looks like anyway. And, you know, I have a new image, which I think looks nicer, like with the whole layout that I've got. And I'm running a few widgets. I've got like a calendar widget, an activity widget, and a widget of a, a, a beta app that I'm testing. Um, I really like it. And I also think just in general, the way that they present options is so good. Like you can, I think you can tell that they learn from watch OS and and the kind of push that forward like when you go into that screen and you want to add a new lock screen because of design they have so many options they have all these fun ones that they've made they take images of yours and show you how good it could look and i think they've done a really good job with that whole kind of like setup screen um and just the widgets in general the lock screen widgets i'm really excited for more and more of these to to come into beta and then when it's released because I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be pretty great. Like at the moment, oh, I also have the, uh, like, I have the calendar and I have weather. The calendar is the one that's on the top. Like you know, you got that one above the time. It's just text, which is like perfect for a calendar, right? Like what's my next meeting kind of thing. Um, yeah, I'm re- I really like it a lot. Uh, there was a couple of other features that I've enjoyed. Um, I I have actually come to really like the way the notifications are laid out now, kind of coming down from the bottom. I feel like it takes up way less screen real estate at most of the time which i actually think is better like show me fewer notifications until i want to see more of them um i tried out i've been trying out that dictation feature with in messages mostly you know like how now the whole thing is you can just dictate and type at the same time like in, you right. can say something and it works really well 
I would say my experience with punctuation, the automatic punctuation hasn't been that great. Um, like there's been times where I've expected it to put punctuation in and it hasn't been. But now it's so much easier to manually edit without needing to leave the dictation mode. So you can just leave the dictation going, right. go in and fix something, go back and then just start speaking again. So I think the fact that it's no longer like a modal thing, you're either dictating or not, um, I could see myself using it more because I think that they've done a really good job of it. Uh, messages editing is awesome. And the new way to set up focus modes, I created a new focus mode because it's so easy uh, to do it now. They, they've really refined that process and have made it much better. And I think have made focus mode more useful in now that you can, instead of saying only let these things bug me, just like everything can bug me except these things. I think that makes way more sense for like a work focus mode and like a sure. personal focus mode, you know, because in personal focus modes, most people are just like, I just don't want to hear from Slack over the weekend, you know? And so just having that as an option of like, everything can remind me except Slack and say like Outlook and my calendar because I'm in weekend mode. So I think that's nice. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm looking forward to playing with it more. And like you said, um, widgets, like third-party widgets to add more because the Apple ones are nice, but they're pretty generic. I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to doing that. It was too. the same right. with iOS 14, right? It was like yeah. we could get an idea for what it might look like using Apple's, but really you want the widgets for the apps you're using. Right. And I think that... Um, the your point is really good that the Apple Watch was a good kind of test bed for this kind of stuff and that they mm -hmm. learned um and having much more screen space on the iPhone to give people all of those different options and sort of what what a nice way to to walk people through features mm -hmm. by providing them with variations that use the features right cuz then you can you can just do it yourself if you want to, but Apple's going to provide you with this big palette of options. They like they choose featured photos that you might want to use. Like they they're doing a lot to try mm -hmm. and um, not just steer you, but also um, teach you. Sort of like rather than saying here are a bunch of settings, good luck. They're like uh, here's all these different ways these settings can be used or customize it yourself, good luck. Which is I, I think it's a better approach. And if you want to see like an example of you know like we talk about like apple whimsy design and stuff they have a selection of weather and astronomy lock screens and mm -hmm. you can you can kind of choose them and you can scroll through them like you can set up do you want one of the earth one of the earth detail where it zooms in when you swipe through them they do a completely unnecessary but really beautiful animation of zooming yeah. in and out, like where it's just like that is stunning and is really, I think, only important for if you're in that mode of choosing between which one you want. And it's super great. Like, just I would, this is a fun screen to play around in because they change it up. I just got uh, recommended to me, this was like, saw this going around on Twitter a lot the uh, clownfish wallpaper that they right. created for the original iPhone. Um, sometimes it pops up as like, hey, do you want this one? And so I just added it as one of my options because you can have multiple lock screens and you can choose between them and choose like, do you want a different um, like home screen to go with that lock screen? It's really cool. I love this feature. I think this is going to be really nice. Well, I I did put Ventura on 
I actually used the review unit uh, 13 inch M2 MacBook Pro that Apple sent me because mm. I wrote that review. So it had to be sacrificed for the cause. Um, so I put Ventura beta on there. I spent some time with continuity camera because really stage manager and continuity camera are kind of the two big Mac features, I would argue, um, that are that are kind of uniquely Mac. I know that there's stage manager on iPad, but stage manager on iPad and Mac are, they're different. The, the way that they work is different. Um, and continuity camera is technically kind of an iOS feature because most of the intelligence is happening on mm. your iPhone, but it's a Mac feature, right? It's for the Mac. That's the point. Um, I'm really impressed with continuity camera. It is working really well. Um, that standard iPhone camera, which is, remember, what Apple calls the wide camera, but it's the standard camera that you use. It looks really good, even in bad light. I was sitting in my bedroom with the light off in the late afternoon, and the light, you know, the light from outside is coming in a little bit, and it looked so much better on that standard iPhone camera than it did on either the webcam that was on the 720p webcam on the 13-inch uh, M2 MacBook Pro. Don't get me started, uh, or actually the view in center stage, because remember, center stage is a feature of continuity camera, but it uses the ultra wide, the 12 megapixel ultra wide on the iPhone, not the standard because it wants to be able to have room to move, you know, pan and zoom and basically move around. Um, and you will not be surprised to know that when you take a 12 megapixel ultra wide image and then crop it in order to do panning and zooming in bad light situations, it gets kind of grainy and uh, doesn't look that great. I, I would say it still looks better than the 720p webcam, not a high bar, but it still looks better than that, but not a lot better. That's interesting. So this is an interesting, just just a note about center stage in general, right? Which is if you want the best image quality and you want especially uh, performance in low light situations, not using center stage is a good idea because center stage is just going to be, it's kind of an inferior camera and then it's a crop of, and a de-distortion and crop of an inferior camera. And it's always going to look inferior compared to, uh, in this case, the standard iPhone camera, which is beautiful. It but really so is. In it, continuity it camera mode, you can choose which camera you want. Is that right? So in con the way continuity camera works is if you are not using center stage, it uses the wide camera, right. the good camera. Okay. Which, of course, is something that, like, the studio display can't do it, it won't crop but it's still got a not great camera right well so. yeah it's still got the that same camera although at least it's i mean and it's not not cropped it's just cropped wider and sure. it doesn't move mm -hmm. right because the ultra wide is super wide and you an uncropped view of the camera in the studio display mm -hmm. would be super weird because just like if you take uh your iphone and go into the ultra wide and then and then zoom out it gets all strangely distorted because it's a wide-angle lens, right? It's an ultra-wide lens. So um, on on continuity camera, they are making the decision that unless you want center stage, they're going to use the regular, regular camera because mm. it's way better. Mm. Um, and so they'll do that. And then and then yeah, you can you can add that studio lighting effect if you want, which you know it helps. It 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 finds your your face in the foreground and lightens it up and darkens the background. And you can use uh, the blurring stuff. And again, it's portrait mode, basically. It's using all this tech that it already had built, Apple had already built for other products. Um, and that all looks fine. So you can do that. The, um, the, the new uh, document, your desk view thing that they do, 
has to use the ultra wide because it's trying to see the edges, the peripheral edges of what it can see. And the ultra wide can see kind of everything. And so, um, it, it, you know, the image quality isn't great, but that's sort of not the point of the desk view thing. It's more just to get a, uh, a quick and dirty view down onto your desktop in front of your laptop or beneath your display. And it does do that. Um, but the actual, um, the actual standard iPhone camera looks exactly as you might expect. And if you've ever used something like camo, you've seen this, like the iPhone camera is really good. Mm -hmm. Using it as a webcam is really good. The difference here is that you don't have to launch an app and launch, you know, an app on the Mac and an app on your iPhone in order to do it. It just does it. It just happens. And in fact, if you place the iPhone, like mount it on your screen or behind your screen and it's, and it's, you know, horizontal to the to the desk and it's still um mac os ventura will just auto switch to it because it, it knows it's using the iphone's sensors for the to know that the iphone is now in a state where it's probably mounted as a webcam and then it'll just flip over you can you can use it without mounting it as a I webcam. i still don't know what i think about that I, I still i still can't get my head around that like the default swapping to the I don't know. I'm still. I, I feel like I I need to see that myself. There's an API, and you don't have to use it, right? You can select yeah. your camera. It's like it's like having a default audio output mm -hmm. or input. It's kind of like that. But yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. Because I mean, obviously, if you if you lay it, if you put it upright on a desk, it will also f switch over, and it's not pointing at you. If if you try to emulate those same conditions, but I think their thought is, when are you going to have your iPhone horizontal and not moving around? Um, and if you hold it in your hand, it's not the same. It knows that yeah. it's being held yeah. by a human. It's sure. actually using those sensors to really detect that it's been mounted. So more to come on this, obviously. And I think that the story changes when you put an iPhone in a in a mount like that Belkin mount that was sort of pre-announced um, on a on a, a laptop. And then you know what about a mount for a bigger display? There's more. There's more to come here, but. It does. It, unsurprisingly, it looks really good on that standard camera. And also, I would say unsurprisingly, when you go into center stage mode, it looks like center stage. And yeah. that means it's a, you know, it's it's going to be uh, worse performance in low light, especially. Uh, but you get the cool panning and scanning thing, which is great if that matters to you. Did you say if you did this wired or wireless? I did this wireless, okay. but it does work either way. But it looks good wireless. Yeah. Cool. Because that's what I would want to do. If I was going to use yeah. this feature, I would want it to be wireless. Otherwise, think, I'd just get a webcam. I think the real issue is if you use it for a long amount of time, you probably want it wired mostly just to power the iPhone. Sure. So that it doesn't drain the, drain the battery on yeah. it. An hour of video is going to kill the battery. You know, I, I, well, I, get that. I, I don't know because the screen's not going to be on, right? Mm, so maybe point. not. Good point. Um, camo, the screen is on. On this, I don't think huh. the screen is on. So I don't know. We'll we'll have to test it out and, and see. But yeah. but yeah, you can do either. And I, yeah. I, I think that's great because I think the idea here is, oh, I'm going to be on a meeting. I'm going to pop this thing on. And now I've got this great webcam. And then when yeah. the meeting's over, I'll just take it right back off. So I don't want to so, be like... Like dripping a cable down, and like you know what I mean. Like every time, if I was gonna do yeah. that, I would just put a webcam on the top here and just do it once. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, I, I'm intrigued about this feature because 
the studio displays camera fails me so poorly. Like it's mm-hmm. as I said before, I mentioned it many times. It's not the quality for me. It's the fact that it cannot handle overhead lighting. Uh, right. at the refresh rate of the overhead lighting that I have here, even though all of my Macs can. All my Macs can can adjust to it, but the studio display can't. And so I frequently, I'm sitting at my desk and then I need to go on a video call, so I have to come and start up everything in the, the, the podcast gear sit, like set that I have here because that the iMacs will, will handle it, but the studio display won't. So I love the yeah. idea of being able to just get a little thing, pop my iPhone in, and then use it you know, rather than needing to then go and like change all my gear around and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wanted to mention the settings app just because, I mean, it's beta. I hope it changes. I hope it changes. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Like they, they said, oh, let's make a settings app like iOS, but it's not as a Mac settings app as a replacement for system preferences, which is old and needed to be replaced, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's 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 very bad. I hope they fix it. I hope they make it better. Um, there's a lot of like clicking to get through to another layer and like having to go hierarchically like down, which is not even ideal on iOS, honestly, but on the Mac when you've got, especially like, uh, especially when I'm on a, a, a big Mac display, but even on a laptop, like these are widescreen laptops and these, this, uh, the, the app is sort of square still or tall instead of taking advantage of like the width to lay things out that way. I don't know what they're thinking. Um, there are so many frustrations with the current system preferences thing in terms of like approving apps, um, for like this app would like full disc access and the settings app, like those settings are like a hierarchical two levels down and in, and then approve and then out. Like it's not, it, it, it seems it's just a, it's a mess. So I hope there's no way this is made in like Catalyst or Swift UI, right? Like it's the settings app. They surely have not done. That. I don't know. Maybe they have. Maybe maybe it is mm. a Swift UI or something. I think I like. I get the idea that we want it to be reminiscent of iOS, but the Mac has more fiddly settings even than iOS does. Yeah. And if you're going to like, I look. I know different people use wow. different settings in Zach different ways. In the Discord, is saying it is Swift UI. Swift UI. That I mean, it, fe- it, it feels bold, like it's Swift UI. But that's bold of everything it, to do next. You know. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it feel well. It's the it's the it's you know if you're building a new app like system settings, then you should build it in Swift UI, right? So it, it's a mess, and um and it should. I feel like it's not taking advantage of things about the Mac, and I get you want it to be of a kind with iOS, but the Mac is different. And um, what I was saying is different people use it differently, and I get that. But like, um, especially in beta time. I'm restarting into a different um, a startup disk all the time. Mm-hmm. Like startup disk isn't at the top anymore. You can search for it or you have to go into, I think, general and then click startup disk and then select your startup disk and restart. It's like, why is it like that? Like, why, why, why have you buried a lot of, for some people, common... And it's not like you can favorite them or bring them out to the top or star them in some way, right? Like yeah. you can't... It it it's so anyway, we got the summer. Maybe they will do more. Yeah. But my my initial feedback on the settings app on the Mac is that it they have managed to do something I didn't think they could do, which is <laughs> replace the old, outdated, mm-hmm. desperately needed to be replaced system system preferences app, and made it worse. I don't know how that's even possible, but but as of beta three, 
that's where we are is that it's it's a complete I, I I'm not one of those people who says uh go back to the old way and old system preferences is bad. It's bad. But like it's better than this. It's better than this. This is terrible. So um good luck. I I, I mean I'm crossing my fingers for every Mac user that the people inside Apple who are working on the settings app understand that they had to ship it because it was beta time and they know that there are lots of things wrong with it and they are going to try to fix them all by the end of the summer. I hope that's the case because if it, if this thing ships anything resembling what it is now, it's an embarrassment. So there it is. There's my, again, beta, beta. I get that it's beta. But this is also the time where people, like with Safari last year, this is the time where people have to raise their hand and say, you didn't do it right. And they didn't do this right. It's a mess. And it's not because it's different. It's because it's bad. Because it doesn't do what a settings app is supposed to do, which is make it easy for users to change their settings Mm. instead of, I mean, yeah, at least you can search for startup disk. At least you can search for it if you need to. Mm, that doesn't sound good. At least the Mac sometimes usually takes a little bit longer, right? They give it a little sure. bit more time, so there might be more time to 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 work on. And this it. is a Mac only feature, essentially. Yep. So there's probably a group that's de- that's focused on it because they're not trying to build something that goes across all the OSs. They're building this thing for the Mac. Um, and and you know, I you know when I criticize stuff, I always hear like, oh, but the, you know, there. I I know there are people who are working on this who are working very hard. And in fact, I would bet you that there are people who are working on this app who know it isn't very good, but it's they've been told to do it, and it's their job. But whoever makes the decisions about the settings app on the Mac um, needs to if they if if they don't know already, they need to be told. Yeah, it's yeah. not getting it done. Yeah, what I've kind of felt like most with SwiftUI personally and also from talking to smart developers that I know is like SwiftUI is really good for building new things. It gets complicated when you want to replace an existing thing with SwiftUI currently, right? Because it's just different. And I'm just surprised that they decided to tackle one of the fiddliest bits of macOS now in swift ui that is just a surprise to me i i i could see that it looked like the iphone but they've done that for years right like things that look like their ios but they're ba- built with app kit and ui kit and you know traditional mac os stuff it's just a surprise to me that like something as fiddly and particular as system preferences was rebuilt using a more new modern technology that consensus says still needs a little bit more work yeah i i'm not convinced that something like the settings app i mean if you can't build the settings app with swift ui then we're really in trouble here i feel like the settings app is pretty straightforward maybe not maybe maybe the settings app is one of our more complicated apps it doesn't feel like it, it feels like it's pretty simple so yeah I, I i'm not convinced that laying oh how should i phrase this I don't think we should lay the ground, lay the uh, blame for uh, for this on SwiftUI. I think the okay. settings app on the Mac is bad because it was conceived as using the metaphors from iOS, and that's a very hierarchical metaphor. And they're not using the the screen orientation of the Mac properly, and they decided to make it a single pane that scrolls instead of something a little more complex. Maybe that's a SwiftUI thing. Maybe there's some SwiftUI issues going on there. Um, I just 
it feels to me, and I don't know the truth, but I, all I can say is what it feels like to me. It feels to me that rather than somebody sitting down and saying, what do we want a modern setting app, settings app on the Mac to be? Somebody said, here, this is what settings is like on iOS and iPadOS. Do the Mac version of this. And that's the wrong choice. It's the wrong choice. Having them feel like they're part of the family because people are using all these devices and having them feel similar, I get it. But what's on the Mac now doesn't feel like it, it makes sense for the Mac at all. It feels like it's it's being forced into an iOS frame that doesn't fit. And there's no point in it being like that. This is the Mac settings app. Mm. I don't understand at all. This episode is brought to you by Sourcegraph. So you've gone and hired a brilliant developer and that's awesome. Now you have to do the work to get them onboarded. And if your company's growing, onboarding new developers will be a common occurrence, but also a big undertaking every single time. One of the biggest challenges with new hires, is getting them up to speed with the projects that they're going to be working on with their new team. This can be really tricky if the code bases that your developers are working on are already large. Well, thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to both move fast and tackle those big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is most useful when it's findable, when it's at hand. Centralization is helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in multiple locations, at least two typically, how are you going to make that knowledge really accessible to those that need it, especially to those that don't already have that like inbuilt knowledge of where these things are kept? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph need to rely on asking colleagues, reviewing out-of-date documentation. All of this is cumbersome and time-consuming, which is, you know, it's not a great experience for them as they're starting up with their new team. So with Sourcegraph, every developer will be able to search across millions of repositories to find specific code that they need, saving time for themselves and their coworkers. So when questions do come up, you know it's the stuff that is worthy of that extra time to go through. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of the five top tech companies, plus companies like PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, and Atlassian. Visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com to find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world use Sourcegraph and to see what it can do for your company. Or you can just click the link in the show notes and they're going to know that you heard about them from this show. A thanks to Sourcegraph for their support of Upgrade and Relay FM. Breaking news, Mike. Breaking news. Uh-huh. As was anticipated when we started recording this episode, as we are recording now, the public betas for all of Apple's OSs are rolling out. And uh, consider our previous segment, our public beta segment that we didn't want to say because we weren't sure. What a surprise! We weren't sure whether. Well, Apple rolls. Sometimes Apple says, we're going to roll. We're going to roll out the public betas on Monday. And, uh, and, And then you get to Monday and they're like, no, no, no. Don't no, not yet. No, please don't talk about maybe it. tomorrow. Later, we'll <laughs> let you know. We don't know yet. That has happened, right? We are ready to push the button, and they're like, "It's not like it's not like the hardware stuff where they're like, okay, okay, you're gonna at six a.m. post the story uh, with the betas is like, we'll let you know because they have to be like on the CDN, and then they say that they're out at ten a.m., but some people don't see them. I don't see it yet, and they have to wait. But I've been told, I have on good authority, that the public betas are rolling out as we record this. And therefore, please, again, consider our coverage of the uh, developer betas in the previous segment. That was really our public beta. 
conversation. And you can go read my story about the macOS public beta and Dan Warren's story about the iOS public beta at Six Colors. We were working on those over the weekend. Um, it's the start of a long process that will lead to you know full reviews in the fall, but it's a start. So yeah, you can go read more there, but all of this was all of that conversation was based in mind of we knew developer beta three would be the public beta because it always is. And we had the idea that it was coming today. So yeah. we thought, hey, why so not that was talk it. about them? So there you go. That was it. That was it. Now you know. And by the time you're listening to this, probably, dear listener, you've already uh, seen that there's a public mm-hmm. beta and already treated that comment as public beta related because the beta three is basically the public beta. That's generally how that works is the developer beta three then gets rolled out to the public. I think they wait a few days to see if anything explodes and then they roll it out to the public. Rumor roundup, Jason Snow. Okay. Yeah. This time it's all focused on the extreme sports version of the Apple Watch. Now, I just want to know, Upgradians will know, Mark Gurman has been calling this the rugged Apple Watch, the sports Apple Watch, and we coined the term extreme sports. This is now caught on. So I'm going to say that that came from us. I know that this was a joke that we made some weeks ago. I'm not saying this is serious, but it is funny to me now that Apple Watch now, Extreme! Now Mark Gurman is calling it the extreme sports version of the Apple Watch 2. Uh, there's more details here, and details I was not expecting. So this comes from a couple of articles. Uh, one was a typical Bloomberg article uh, that Mark wrote, and then another was in the Power On newsletter. So uh, we've got this uh, Apple Watch will have a larger screen than any current Apple Watch. It will be almost two inches diagonally, which is, uh, it will be 7% more screen real estate than the largest watch screen right now. So it's not a huge difference, but it is different. And I was not expecting that um, because my expectation is this will probably cause work for Apple Watch app developers um, to to fully support this. I mean, it depends. Uh it depends to me on whether they are, and I was unclear reading Mark's report. If the screen's bigger, is it is it more screen space, or is it just that everything's bigger? Right. Uh, so if it's the same number of if it's the same number of pixels, then it doesn't matter. Right, if it's bigger, yeah, I don't, I don't know if he knows because he, he was yeah, saying some know, stuff right? like was saying about like, oh, and they're putting more stuff on the screens now, which will make this even better. But yeah, I, I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I read that with some skepticism because I was trying to say, is he really saying that there's going to be a new screen layout on that thing, or is he saying it's going to be a little bit bigger, but that's just going to make everything more readable, and it's I. I'm I'm not clear on that at all and and you know I think you could take it to mean that but I'm not sure that I believe that. And again his his wording here is all you know there's there's stuff he seems to know and stuff he's not sure about and so it's there's a lot going on here. Well, okay, so I'm trying to work this out <laughs> by looking at this doesn't make any sense. 430 by 352 pixels. And he says 410 by 502 pixels. <sighs> so that's different. Yeah, that so, is. If 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 it really is a different um, screen size, I mean, I'm sure there'll be like a compatibility or something where it just runs in the center. But maybe apps can take advantage of it, or alternately, maybe there's a system thing that is putting a frame around it that you know, or only Apple's taking advantage yeah. of. I don't know. It's it, an interesting thought that there might be yet another screen size for Apple Watch developers to deal with. Yeah, so to say that slightly differently, this is coming from screen sizes, uh, size, size screens.com. It's just what came up when I Googled it. The 
the big one is 484 by 396. Mm-hmm. And Mark is saying that this would be 502 by 410. Well, that's bigger. So that's different. So, yeah. but as it, I, I'm not sure he knows completely, and we don't know completely, but it will be bigger. So that's, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, increased shatter resistance on the display. That would make perfect sense, right? Like, um, sure. Rugged metal casing. Quote, strong metal instead of aluminium. Quote, probably titanium. Marks didn't say this in the report, but said it in the uh, newsletter, right? Probably. You never see probablys in a, in a typical Mark Gurman Bloomberg report. Uh, I was not expecting metal for this Yeah, watch. yeah. I wasn't either. I mean, Mark's report is interesting in general because it may he makes it sound... And and we should say he thinks it's going to be expensive too. He thinks it's going to be like I mean he he kind of advocates to call it a, an Apple Watch Pro, which I think is a, a bad idea. But you know who knows Apple? Well, I mean calls something a Pro Max. So in, why not? in the article, he's that's just one of the many names he throws out there of like it's because in the newsletter he's comparing it to the Galaxy Watch Pro, so he just right. refers to it as Pro. But you know he's he's. He's thrown around about five different names for this thing, but not names that he uh, has heard, but names that he thinks it could be. Yeah, with. but the the idea of a of pro, but regardless, it's a high end model, and it's yep. sort of like uh, replacing the edition with this, and that's not necessarily what I thought. I mean, Apple's always going to try to make its money wherever it can, so having this be like a special Apple Watch that's got su- super awesome features for people who are sports enthusiasts at a high-end level and they're going to spend more money to get this thing that's super strong and has you know more battery and maybe has some special modes he says at the end he says something about how like you know there may be some features that are just to this Mm -hmm. that are announced which i would expect i would expect that it's got some special features i was thinking about our friend david smith and his um long his hiking thing where mm-hmm. he tried to take an apple watch out into the wilderness and mm-hmm. you know the challenge with that is that the apple watch really was designed to be charged every day but you can put it in a lower power low power mode and all that i wonder if when when mark german here reports the larger battery as well i started to think i wonder if there's a story there where there's basically like a long life mode for the apple watch that has some very specific characteristics and maybe it's easier to take it in and out of that as you use it but that it it will have a larger battery and a longer life mode so that you can use it for longer and maybe it samples your heart rate and and other activity at a at a slower pace if you're going to be out there for days um i feel like that could be part of the story too but i am a little surprised like you are about the idea that this is really also a high end with high end materials kind of product that they might be saying well you know this new apple watch sport or extreme or pro or whatever is going to be made with uh this titanium that's light and strong and isn't going to get isn't going to get bashed by um you know when you hit it against a boulder or whatever um interesting i mean like the sales pitch on this you got to admit it's going to be really interesting because like who are they trying to hit with this and is it going to be this sort of like premium high-end sports enthusiast kind of product as opposed to what i was kind of envisioning which maybe is just my lack of vision on this i was kind of envisioning something that would cost more or less like what an apple watch costs but be a variation on it and that's not what mark is proposing at all here he's proposing a souped up just for sports enthusiasts kind of mega Apple Watch. 
So my kind of reading on this now is I was like you, right? Like this is going to be a third watch in the lineup and it's focused on a particular market. But I think probably what they'll go with now is like you can have a watch which can do anything, like it can cope with anything, but you don't need to compromise on the look. Right. Yeah, and it feels like I mean, essentially, also it's just the high-end Apple Watch, right? Exactly. Because it's not going to yeah. look like a G-Shocks or something like no. that. It's going to be made of premium material. It's going to have a bigger battery. It's going to have a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, it's going to be bigger and heavier, but um, it allows them to basically say this is and and if and that would lead to calling it something like Pro because it although we've been thinking of it as a extreme fitness version, what if it's not right? What if it's just a big old Apple Watch, a big old fancy expensive Apple Watch. And it's got a bunch of features maybe for the storytelling that are about extreme levels of of uh of you know activity and and adventure and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It doesn't maybe change from it being kind of like a mega high-end Apple Watch and not a not a kind of derivative for a particular market, which is how I think we've been talking about it all along. Yeah, it's more like honestly feels to me more like an Apple Watch Max, right? And like you can do anything, yeah. right? Like you can do anything, and it's great. Maybe that's it. I like that as a bet. I like that better than Apple Watch Pro, to be honest. Is Apple Watch Max that's Pro nice doesn't thing. make? I mean, honestly, I reckon they'll probably if they're going to do something, they'll do Pro because they can't stop using Pro everywhere. Can't but like, it stop. doesn't make sense to me as like I'm a professional watch wearer. Like I don't, I don't that that doesn't line up in my mind like i, I i'm agree. not content creating on my apple watch so it's, right? so like, it's apple watch studio then is what we're saying <laughs> you use my apple watch to my body is my studio my mm-hmm. my uh my or my whatever it is my exercises are my canvas and so therefore apple watch studio so is for me as you mentioned like mark is expecting this to be more expensive than any apple watch you can currently buy in the 900 to 999 category which makes sense to me if if they're gonna make it bigger and they're gonna put a bigger battery in it by the way i reckon the screen's only getting bigger because they want to put a bigger battery in it like i think it started with battery and then they ended up with bigger screen because they wanted they needed a bigger physical case that would be my expectation. Right, and and maybe they had a conversation about ruggedizing it, and people were like, you know, what we should do is make it of a fine, rugged metal, because then, right, because then people mm-hmm. will buy it aspirationally and wear it as a regular Apple Watch. Whereas if it if it's if it looks like a a, a big plasticky, you if know, it is super extreme of... watch, you're not going to wear it to dinner, right? Yeah. If so, it is made of the fluoroelastomer stuff that they make the sport bands out of which i was kind of hoping it would be because it'd be fun uh it's gonna look like either a a sports watch or be a kid's watch right and i think they probably <laughs> don't want to do that right that would be my expectation in reading these reports Th- yeah. this this pricing thing has led to a lot of people thinking that apple's going to get rid of the edition i don't think they are I think the Series 8 will still have an edition mode. I have a hard time believing they won't offer. I mean, whether they call it edition or not, like offering stainless steel and titanium as materials yep. doesn't like what it's a chance to sell literally the same product for a lot more. Yes. And for people who want to buy the the nicer material and who might not want to buy this particularly high end yep. uh, watch. So because with that's the fair. Series 7, they stopped breaking it out into its own product. It used like Apple Watch Edition used to be kind of like its own thing, like with in the ceramic and titanium. But now, like when you just go to the buy page, it's just a material 
option basically is titanium and it's called addition like they they don't it's not broken out in the same way it's kind of like hermes right like they're not going to stop making the hermes either so i kind of just feel like all of those fit under series seven or series eight it will be right because it's just different materials for that watch type and then the apple watch max will be its own thing and honestly could also have a set of different materials right like who knows like all all Mark has officially said is strong metal, which is a fun thing for me. Um, but then reference titanium as a probably. Uh, I mean, because it would be interesting to me if they made this out of titanium and then also continued to make a Series 8 in titanium. I feel like if they're going to make this out of titanium, they need to make an addition out of something else. Hopefully they go back to ceramic because mm. I miss the ceramic. Um, I um I wanted to mention also just because I don't know this category very well at all. I'm looking at the G-Shock uh, yeah. website, Casio, yeah. and you know I always think of them as like plastic or rubberized kind of things. And you can buy plasticky G-Shocks for 140 bucks, but like you can also buy a G-Shock for 800, uh, 1100, 1200 that are kind of special carbon fiber reinforced, mm -hmm. etc. And like. You think Apple doesn't look at this spread of products and go, well, I know where we're going. We're going up there, right? We're not going to the $110 plastic one. We're going to the $1,000 fancy one mm -hmm. and doing it there. So, so yeah, this fascinating little tidbit. Like, It doesn't seem like Mark Gurman knows everything about this product, but it is coming more into focus as a high-end, uh, not, not like you said, not co coated in like, fluoroelastomer and it's like if you drop it it bounces back up into your hand kind of thing right like like it's a it's a super ball with an apple watch inside but more that it's a high-end apple watch that has some features that are um going to fit the storytelling of of uh of the sports focus of the apple watch which kind of makes sense but you could also just buy one if you want a bigger apple watch with a bigger battery and all of that you can just buy it and wear it and it'll look nice and that that sounds right to me that sounds much more plausible to celebrate the summer of fun we're gonna do a quick draft quick draft jason had an idea that we're gonna draft app icons we are this is we've been very we haven't really shared a lot of like what are the rules we don't have rules it's just we're just gonna pick our favorite app icons yeah that's it i would like to go first yeah you get to go first i suggested this draft so so uh, i'm gonna let you go first and i took a look at my iphone home screen took a look at my iPad home screen, and then also consulted a book that I own, which I backed from a Kickstarter campaign called the iOS App Icon Book. So I spent mm -hmm. some time today going through that and looking at some of the best uh, app icons in all of iOS history for this today. Yeah. And so I feel like I want to start with something <laughs> really classic and also maybe to steal one from you, and I'm going to go with Twitterific. Oh, uh, for people who don't know, the uh, the Twitterific Bluebird predates Twitter using a Bluebird as mm -hmm. its icon. They yep. got the idea. T Twitterific not only did that, they defined, Craig Hockenberry defined the um, term tweets. Mm -hmm. Like, this, there's a reason there's only one third-party app that gets to use the word Twitter in its name still. Yeah. Because they, the Twitter, Twitter like, kind of owes we'll them. They helped build the service, shall we? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And I, it was on my list. It was second on my list mm. because it's a great icon. It comes in lots of variations, um, but that blue bird, 
Um, it's great. That it's, was it for it's me. A, it's a it's a great icon. You know, some of my favorite app icons are variations of of the you know like that that are available inside of apps. But like, I just think any version of this because it's like also every Twitter app also has some other kind of bluebird. Like everyone, but like it all started here and also yep. is made by like one of if not the definitive icon design companies as well right like this yeah. just felt to me as like so many things converging to be like this is one of the best mm-hmm. i agree it was very high up on my list um now you were looking at the app icon book and looking at ios icons i'm just gonna say my next pick is a mac icon hmm. How about there's that? a lot of mac icons in that book too okay that's good that's good uh, well, I'm going to go for a classic introduced in the, oh, where, when was it? In 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 the OS 8, I want to say, days? There was a point when the clones came in where Apple needed to do some branding around Mac OS because Mac OS was no longer just running on Macs. It was running on clones. But they were running Mac OS, so there needed to be branding. And Apple has kept Mac OS branding all along. And one of the things they introduced at the time was an interesting icon that was a face, but also a face looking the other direction. And it's now the Finder icon, so I'm going to choose the Finder, which is also the classic Mac OS icon. Oh man. As my uh as my choice. That's for a good the, one. My first choice. The yeah, Finder. That's a the good one. The smiley faces. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a person looking to their right and maybe kissing somebody on the side of their face. Or it's a face facing forward. It's both things at once. <laughs> it's like Hey, buddy. You know, hey. Comes in hey. Love you. I'm going to pick one that I think this icon does a very good job of showing off one of my favorite app designs of all time as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Clear. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I think Clear is one of the most beautiful apps ever made. Um, it was a to-do app. It was just wonderful design in and out. Um, and the app icon itself just does a great job of showing that, like, the heat map kind of look that the app originated. So, yeah, what what does the clear app uh, icon look like? It's a checkbox? Checkbox with, like, oranges to red, mm-hmm. like, not like a gradient, but like little, like, uh Well, like with, the, like with the six colors rainbow, it's that kind of thing. It's striped of, mm-hmm. a, it's a gradient, but it's in, in, like, six stripes. Yeah five stripes yeah five and stripes. I, I think it, it does a great job of of showing off the design that's inside because uh, i think i think it's just it's one of my favorite app designs ever and the icon just is so simple but so well made um yeah big fan in looking at uh all these apps for this draft i did have i'm sure you did too this question of like well what do i like in an app icon sure because there are lots of apps i use all the time and they have icons that are recognizable. And like from a purely functional perspective, having an app that your brain can can assign to pattern matching so you can see it and know that that's the app and maybe have some feelings about it. But like it, it has a, being an app with an icon, like the icon has a job to do. But what I found when I was looking for this draft, I kept thinking like just like a, a thing with a with a, a letter on it <laughs> or or a couple of letters on it, like doesn't doesn't really excite mm-hmm. me. I kind of want it to be um have a have a symbol and have it be clever in some way. That was sort of what I was I realized that was was working for me. Um 
And I, I don't know. What did you think? Did you come up with a, as you were looking, a, a kind of working definition of what is a good app in your terms? I think it honestly is like something that felt iconic in a way. So I think for me, uh, it was best best icons are iconic. You're yes, saying. I think so. I mean, so I wasn't looking for like company logo or letters. Oh yeah, or for sure. You know, so it for me it was letters. something that either really strongly evoked the app and or did what you were just mentioning about like unequivocally says what this app is. So like the next one that I'm going to pick is an example of that. If you don't pick it before yeah. me, but yeah. like yeah. All right, uh, with my next pick, I'm picking Maps, Apple Maps. Wow, okay. Yeah. I really like the Apple Maps icon and have liked it through history because it says what it is, but in a, in a visual way. It's got, the, it's got the little blue dot. It's got a little arrow. Uh, and also, I like it for the detail here, which is, if people don't know, the Apple Maps icon used to be the vicinity of Infinite Loop. Um, the actual, like, Interstate 280 and the exit, and infinite loop. And now, it's the vicinity of Apple Park. And it's the Wolf Road exit now uh, on the on the uh, far side of Apple Park. And the little curve of Apple Park is up in the corner. And I like that it looks like map elements, but it's also something that I can see at a glance and know that it's the Maps app. And I really love the detail of the fact that it's the actual map mm. area of the Apple campus. That's a good one. Uh, in that similar vein of like an app icon telling you what it is, uh, I'm going to go Fantastical. Sure. I think it's just like a very nice design, um, like with the colors that exist inside of the, the kind of calendar squares. But it just looks like a calendar. Like, I like it. But it doesn't look like a calendar in such a way that like it looks like it's pretending to be a real calendar, you know? Like it's not got that skeuomorphism, which, mm-hmm. you know... I think had it time and its place and, and I like the kind of where we are now a lot with design where there's a little bit of texture back but we're not trying to pretend to be something we're not. Um, one of the things I'm always struck at when I see screenshots from iPhones like iPhone 6 and early, all of the screens looked dark because everyone was putting shadows on everything. So like everything right. just looks like muddy to me. Um, there's like a, a like a clarity that's lost, but anyway, I think Fantastical did a good job of their transition from skeuomorphic to more like flat design, but still keeping some character in their app icon. That's nice. It's funny on the Mac I have it displaying with the current date. Um, yeah. Which, which honestly I don't need because I have the current date up in the up in the top. So that's mm-hmm. what I should do is I should like turn it off. I should just have it be. Let it uh, be high easy. date on app icon. Oh, look yeah. at that in the settings. I can make it. Yeah, that's a lot better. That's yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, I, huh? There are so many, and we're and we're only doing five here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with another Mac app. Um, hmm. Am I? Am I though? You know, I'm going to go with Overcast. Ah, uh, classic. Okay. Like, I I use Overcast as my podcast player, so I see that that icon a lot. But I like it. I like that it's orange. I use the orange one. I don't use the dark one. I like the orange background. I was background. very happy when I got to be able to set the orange icon in when using the dark theme. 
Mm, yes, right. Instead of changing, because I missed out right. on the orange icon for a long time. It's very simple. It's a little broadcast transmitter with a little orange uh, radio waves uh, waving out. If you know that, if not, I think it's still. Um, you know, you could think of that as a speaker playing music. If you aren't thinking of it as from the broadcast metaphor, um, in the white circle with the orange background behind it, um, very easy to pick out. And also again, an icon, uh, I guess technically it's got a letter in it. If you consider that circle an O, I don't. (laughs) So there. Oh no, I wouldn't have, I don't think it's meant to be right. No, it's not. It's not, but I'm just saying that the most that that's the most generic form of icon is that it's a it's a a colored uh, round rect with a letter in it, like like the App Store icon, which I would put in the Hall of Fame for worst icons of all time. Because one of the things I like about the Overcast um, logo icon, I should say, um, is that it is also evocative of the other apps in the category that came before. Um, yes. the idea of like a transmission tower mm-hmm. um, yep. like yeah it's that metaphor the podcast yeah. metaphor which was you know featured in Apple Podcasts and Instacast and all of those kinds of apps as mm-hmm. well I'm gonna go with Carrot Weather next interesting um, what I like about Carrot Weather a lot is there are loads of app icon choices and they're all pretty fun. I use one called Neon Dream, but I really I just really like the design. I think that it does a good job of choice because the app itself does a good job of choice. So you can choose to have something that's kind of robotic looking if you like the app to be robotic right in having its its um kind of uh uh, personality but there's also a bunch of alternate options which can be more like more like iconic more customizable i I like it i just think it's a nice simple icon does a good job and has a bunch of really good options and mine is neon dream is my favorite i love it i prefer the simpler logo that's just the cloud with the lightning bolt coming out of it as opposed to the robot. Yeah. The neon the one I use is a variation of just the cloud and lightning bolt. Yeah. It doesn't have any of the robot uh features. I think that's a better way to go. I agree. I'm gonna have to change my icon now mm-hmm. in Carrot Weather. There you go, see? To, to something that I prefer. Because, you know, that's me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with something orange too, because you know again, it looks nice. It's nice to have an orange one. Pumpkin guts it is. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, okay, my next icon is going to be, this is, a, this is an esoteric app, uh, although our friends use it. But I love it as an icon. Oh, I know what it's going to be. Working copy. That's not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. <laughs> okay. Working copy is a, it's like a GitHub app, mm-hmm. a GitHub client it's it's basically or is it uh or is it more broadly it may just be um um version control on the ipad but i love its icon because its icon is a fingerprint it looks like with dots it does look kind of like touch id and i like i can always spot work and copy i know exactly what it looks like but i also like that it's this it's a it's an image it's not w (laughs) 
WC. Uh, WC. Or, WC is not, I, I like, yeah, just put a toilet on there and it's mm-hmm. good. It's fine. Uh, I, I just, I, I like it. I like that it, that the, uh, it's a dark background with a little bit of a frame, but the, the real core is that it's got the, um, the fingerprint with the points going from end to end, which is, I'm sure a very nice metaphor. Um, so there you go. Love it. All right. My final pick, I'm going to award a few things here for my final pick. Like it's one choice, but there's a few things. One designed by a friend of mine. So nepotism. Okay. App made by a friend of mine. Dear sir, I was outraged to Uh discover your nepotism. Well, you know, what can I say? And I really like apps that allow for options. PCALC. Oh, well, congratulations to James Thompson for Mm -hmm. having his calculator chosen as a winner of whatever this is. The six colors (laughs) one a lot. I think it's nice. Uh, I like that James has a bunch of just like fun ones. There's uh, icons for for ve- uh, like various representation. Like there's lots of like flags uh, in mm-hmm. there. You've got wild ones. You've got furry ones. Uh, all kinds of stuffs going on in here. I like it, and I think that the app icon itself is just really nice. Like the forty two. Um, I like that it is in a little calculator actually because for, for some reason I'm breaking my own rule. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a fan. Plus I I was partly responsible for there being so many icons in PCALC because I convinced James that he should do it and charge people for it. So there you go, PCALC. I did not consider PCALC because it breaks my rule of just being um, an icon with, uh, in this case, numbers in it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which it is a calculator. It's mm-hmm. fair. And it, they are, it is 42, which is also fair. Uh, I think fair. my new rule is I have no rules. Okay, that works. That works. I am going to choose Bartender. Oh. That's my lack. Bartender is a utility on the Mac that lets you tend to your menu bar and hide menu bar items you don't want to see or expand them when you do want to see them. And it's icon. I love it. It's hilarious. It is a the the rounded rect is the black of the suit jacket. It's there's a V and then there's a, you know, dress shirt underneath. And then at the very top is the black a bow tie. It is the the it is what the bartender wears at a formal event, and I think it's adorable. And I love I just love the attention to detail. I think it is yep. a, a elegant kind of icon. It is a it is a on some levels it's kind of a joke, right? It's like get it mm-hmm. bartender, and yet it's so well it's executed. Good. And it also right down you to know, the, the the little collar of the shirt pokes out of the round rack, right? Like it's yeah, not, it pokes it's out not on the top, flat on the top. mm Hmm. Which is one of the great it's, things about Mac apps is that they can be arbitrary shapes. Yeah, so good. Did a good job with that one. So yeah, I like that I like, one a lot. I like the bartender app a lot. Did you have any extras that you want to mention that we didn't pick? Yeah, deliveries I really like. Um, Tweetbot, the New Year's variant I like. I didn't like when Tweetbot made the bird look angry, um, but the New Year's one is nice. Uh, and craft specifically a variation that they have, which is a kind of pink and blue gradient background. Hmm. That would be the ones that I had on my little uh, list right. here. I had Net Newswire, which has mm. gone through many, many different icons, but it has kept the idea of a satellite mm-hmm. that's beaming things to you. I think that's a nice metaphor uh, and also instantly recognizable. 
I like that they didn't just go with the a version of the RSS logo. Sure. Like many no, did. it's a totally different concept. Yeah. Transmit from Panic, which is, uh, you know, it's that truck. The truck. It's that truck. Mm-hmm. The the yellow and blue truck. The truck. It's iconic mm-hmm. and uh, and great. Automator. It's got a robot holding a metal thing. It's adorable. Apple would never let anybody get away with this now. And all they did when they updated to the new style where there's the round wrecks is they just put the round wreck behind the robot. <laughs> you know, like, whatever. The Automator logo for me, I don't like it because it's threatening. It's like he's got oh, a pipe and he's going to bash me he's with a pipe. It's, yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe like, that's how, why I like it so much. How dare you make me do all this work? I'm coming for you, mm-hmm. kid. That's what I think when I look at this this little and, icon here. An app I use all the time but rarely see the icon of is actually Launch Bar. But what I like about it is that it, it it's like almost like a, uh, it's kind of cryptic, but like it's an L and a B for like Launch Bar. It is sort of the L and the B, but it's also a circle that goes into an arrow. And it's also got that kind of step gradient from, from uh, orange to a yellow of the arrow. It's very pretty. Um, and I like that it's the logo is the name of the app, but you also don't need to see that to get what it is, which I think is very clever. And um, my last one, I just wanted to do a shout out to a la- a, a, an icon that makes me laugh every time I launch it. And that's the icon for VLC, which is a road cone. What does that mean? I don't know why it's a cone. Uh. I'm sure there's a story. It's like, is it because it's constantly under development and is it because it's dangerous? Is because you shouldn't, I don't know. I just love that it's a cone because it makes me laugh. Again, yeah. is it a good icon? I don't know. Does it does it properly represent the app? No, not at all, which is probably why it's not a good icon. And yet it does make me laugh. So that's got to be worth something. This episode is brought to you by Capital One. Have you ever been hit with a technical snafu while trying to check out online? Has filling out payment fields given you a headache or has your mobile banking app ever been down when you needed it most? Capital One believes that everybody deserves better banking, and this means easier access to your money and more security at the same time. This is why Capital One is investing in machine learning. Machine learning allows Capital One to do things like fight fraud of random forests. They have models that will detect suspicious activity really quickly and will also make it faster to alert federal investigators. This is how they identify how mobile app outages happen as well. They use causal models for this. So they're making sure that they're like, keeping an eye on things and, and trying to work out when things aren't working the way that they should be. Keeping their mobile app up and running doesn't happen by accident. Anomaly detection and incident response help determine why app outages happen so engineers can quickly remedy them. And Capital One also speed up online shopping with machine learning at the edge. They make shopping with virtual card numbers smoother and more secure. This technology is based on logistic regression models and running inference in the browser. This identifies payment fields which makes uh, using virtual card numbers easier and faster. You can see Capital One is really investing in machine learning. And because the potential of machine learning is so big, see how Capital One is using machine learning to create the future of banking? Search machine learning at Capital One. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Our thanks to Capital One for their support of this show and Relay FM. Let's finish up today's episode with some hashtag ask upgrade questions. The first comes from Brian. Brian says, my Apple Watch will sometimes throw up hand washing or workout suggestions or alerts while I'm doing things that are not hand washing or working out. Do you have any situations where your watch will detect something that's different from the reality of the situation? 
Um, I turned the hand washing thing off. Okay. Um, workout suggestions. Uh, yes. Oh, really? Sometimes. Sometimes I will get that. I've been getting workout suggestions lately that are, I mean, it's helpful when it when it recognizes it. My ba- my bigger frustration is that I will sometimes be out on a walk and it doesn't notice. And it's like, you surely have noticed that I left my house and have been yeah, walking and I my heart rate is updated. And sometimes, sometimes it doesn't catch on for quite a while. Like, and when it logs me, it's not logging the beginning of the walk. So it obviously missed some of it. I'm a little bit baffled by that. Um, so that happens. I also get frustrated by the, are you done working out? That sometimes happens. And it's like, no, I'm oh, not done working oh, out. Oh, that's rough. I haven't had that one before. So like, oh, yeah. you're are still you done? working are you out done? and it's like- you, you, you seem to be <laughs> going slower or being, and it's like, are you done working out? I'm not done working. Shut up. It's like, hey, I'm Jason, fine. it I'm, feels like you've given up at this point. You've given Would up you like- now, right? Would you like to give up officially? <laughs> no, I don't want to give up officially. Well, let me, and let me tell you, the there is a workout type for curling. Um, oh. And, you know, you, you're sweeping. It, you can get your heart rate pretty elevated. But, you know, curling is like it goes in cycles and you're, you're shooting and then you're sweeping. Um, and it, it, it is not set to – it keeps asking me, like, between ends, like, are you, are you done curling now? And I was like, no, I'm not done. It's just – I'm not – it's not like running. It's not like I'm sprinting all the time, mm. but I'm still doing it. And they should, uh, they should tweak that a little bit for all the people who use the curling workout, which I get a kick out of because – it's hilarious to use the curling workout on the Apple Watch, but anyway, I don't. I don't have. Um, that's about it. You know, I I I very rarely get uh, something other than the you know the false negatives of uh, "Are you done?" And I wish it was better at doing the you know I figured out that you were taking a walk, so I logged it for you thing. But it often it often misses it until uh, it's like way too late. I had one. The, well, Adina had one the other day, which was intriguing. It was a big problem, but it was just funny. We were outside. We were walking somewhere, and it said, "It looks like you're walking indoors. Would you like to record an indoor workout?" And I'm not sure how it got that one messed up. You know, like what what what's so different about an indoor and outdoor walk, and why did it get those wrong? That was just weird. Uh, for me, uh, washing dishes. I get the hand washing thing a lot. You obviously right. That one kind of makes sense. Um, one that really annoyed me for a while, you know, it has the noise detection one, you know, like, oh, this is, you're in a loud environment. Uh, I had this on for a while, so I'd be good, you know, I, I would like to know if I'm in places which are bad for my ears, right? Uh, maybe I could do something about them. But it would trigger every time I used a hand dryer. And I found huh. that to be particularly frustrating considering... You knew I just washed my hands because I used the hand washing thing. So I feel like a natural thing to do is if someone has washed their hands, don't worry about the audio, like the noise detection for like the next minute because they're, you know, they're going to be using a hand dryer. So it's the air blowing into the microphone, right? Makes it think it's super loud or just because they are loud. And I just found that to be really annoying every time it's like yeah you're in a loud environment no i'm not i'm not i'm not i just drive my hands that's all Hmm. vij asks i had an operation yesterday i hope you're okay Uh, vij i really hope you're okay Uh, i woke up this morning and my apple watch was bugging me about completing my rings since i hadn't yesterday i am of course going to be taking a rest day today and probably tomorrow shouldn't that be an option apple gives you yeah, yes. I um I have several friends who use the are committed to closing their rings who have complained about this 
um, the idea that you invite should... you to the idea of coronavirus, which is a thing yeah. that many of us are having. You also, know? I think I think the idea streaks in general. I think streak forgiveness is a thing that should happen. That mm-hmm. that sometimes there's like, oh, you've gone twenty two straight days, and and like, you know what? Not every day is going to be for this. I I get the idea of wanting to motivate you, but having the ability as a human being to be like, no, today is my break day because you don't know I had an operation or I'm sick or whatever it is, and you know I. I'm not saying you should be able to skip three weeks and have it keep your streak, right? That doesn't make sense. But the idea of a rest day and programming a rest day in potentially or saying, no, this is my rest day. I'm not going to go for a run today. That would be helpful. Um, Yeah, I had that um, related. I had that where I, okay, long story short, everything's fine. This was like a month ago. I was running and I fell and I bruised my ribs. Mm -hmm. It sucks. They still hurt. Um, But the next day as I'm icing and heating and icing and taking as many pain, you know, as much Tylenol and Advil as I'm allowed to take and I'm sitting there not doing anything. My Apple watch is like, you seem to be getting a slow start on the day. You can, you can still do it. And I'm like, shut up Apple watch. Like, and there's no way. And I get it. I get it. It's software. All it can do is what it can do because it's it's dumb and it's software. But there are cases where you kind of want the human touch. You want kind of want to say like, I'm not going to be active today, and let it be like, okay, I'll check with in with you tomorrow. And I know from especially active people I know that the the drive to do it every day, like it it can be good as a motivator. It can also run into these moments where it's like, you know what? It's not appropriate today. Mm-hmm. Let's take this as a skip day, and it's okay. And we'll we'll give you a skip day. We're going to keep your streaks alive. It's it's okay because you 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 um you're only human, and you I'm might also, not want to do it every day. This isn't like some official global competition we're doing. This is just for me. Like yeah, if I give myself a day and it tells me I've still kept my streak going, nothing's affected. Like it's just for me. So. Why can't I do that? Like, I lost my longest move streak because I was on an, a transatlantic flight. Like right. I flew, I took a, like a, you know, like I, I flew from California, I think. Yeah, I flew from California. And by the time that I landed, it reset to the next day and I didn't have enough time in the day to accumulate the rest of my streak points, even though I tried. So, you know. Like now, you know, they do that calculation and they recalculate it all. Ah, that annoys me too, the way that they do the, the calculation of, of date math when you, like they recalculate right. all the points and assign them to the other days rather than split. Yeah, it's annoying. I find it really annoying. But anyway, they should have a rest day option. And honestly, I can't believe they haven't done it by now. It's just not healthy. Like, in my opinion, you push people all the time. Anyway, Wes asks, is there any news on how the new shared photo library will treat iCloud family storage. Will each library have its own copy of a photo, taking double the space? Or is there going to be, like, linked against the same photo? Do you know any of this stuff right now? Does anybody? Uh, yeah, the person who creates the iCloud family li- shared library, it goes toward their space. Um, it doesn't double up if you're on a family plan or whatever, or even sharing with somebody who's not in a family um, their space doesn't get charged. You get charged for all the photos that are placed in the shared library. Um, it doesn't. Uh, will each library have its own copy of a photo? No. There are there are two libraries. There's the shared and the not shared. 
Um, and and so you can view them all individually or you can view them merged, but they're not doubling. Um, they're in one or they're in the other. So can you so, uh, help me understand this a bit more? So let's imagine we're a family and yep, okay. you've created the, the really shared... We've created the shared library. If I want to contribute things to the shared library, do I have to like push them to the library? But yep. then it counts on your storage for the everybody yep. else in the family. Yeah, it counts it counts on my storage. Okay. I mean, it's family, it's all shared, so it doesn't matter. But if we're not yep. in a family together, which you and I aren't, and yet we decide we're the ones who are going to share the library, mm-hmm. I believe even when you move those photos into the shared library, they go off of your ledger and onto mine. Oh, okay. I think that's how that works. Right, okay. I think that's how it works. I have another question about uh, iCloud Shared Photo Libraries from Florian. Do you know if it's going to support full image quality? Yes. This wow, is great. a full, straight-up iCloud photo library, so it's full image quality. It's not like the old shared libraries that were kind of like partial. Oh, photo this stream? Is, that was like a thing. Do you remember that? Was there that was photo was stream and camera roll. Yeah. Yeah. Camera roll, photo stream. Uh, and then the current sharing, which is if you there, uh, it's complicated. There are some sharings where it is reduced and there's some sharings where it's not, um, depending on how you do it. Cause you can share with iCloud versus making a, a shared live or shared album. The shared library is totally different and it is essentially a second iCloud photo library that is shared between people among people. Um, right. and has, it's got all your stuff in it. So it's, and it's you the can same choose, rules right? like, as like the other one. Every photo you take is put in there or just small. There's a and lot or, of yeah. detail there. And, and uh, it wasn't even put in until developer beta three. So it's something that I have to spend a lot more time with in yeah. order to write and about. But yes, there are, you can dump everything in there. You can dump everything in taken after a certain date. So like uh, if it's like you and your partner, but uh your partner only wants to contribute, you know, from the day you met forward, like that's fine. That's allowed. Um, and then there are a bunch of other things you can do. You can, you can contribute manually. There are things where it will try to do detection to say like, this is when you were all together. So I'm going to share, you can set to share these photos. It can prompt you to say, do you want to share these photos into the group? There's lots of different stuff going on because Apple didn't want to make this a all or nothing kind of thing. Um, but they also didn't want to make it nothing happens unless you choose to. Like they wanted to make it automatable if you choose to share some kinds of photos. Um, so there's lots of different choices going on behind the scenes and I got to spend more time with it. But they're trying to make it uh, more complex which is bad in a way, but it's good in another way because I think what they're what they're trying to think of as use cases where no, where somebody's going to say no, I'm not going to share all my photos with you. So it's like okay, well, what would make it easier to share a reasonable set of photos that are worth sharing across um, different mm. you know different people's libraries? So for example, my daughter could get on our family shared library. She's obviously not going to be sharing photos of her out partying with their friends with us right like it's not gonna happen embarrassing photos things she doesn't want but it may do things like you can set it up to detect when she's visiting us and Mm -hmm. or when we take a trip together and that those will either be put in our shared library or will be offered to her as since you were together do you want to contribute these to the library so that's what apple's trying to do is make it um 
make it more make it easier to contribute photos when you're not in an all or nothing scenario because they know some people are not going to be like my wife and I are going to just like turn this on and be like okay because right now I have to import all the photos from her camera into my Mac because you know they're not shared but then when she goes to build our hall our, our calendar every year she's like she wants the photos she took and the photos i took so we have to do that but a lot of people aren't going to do that and that's fine um that this is set up to allow a lot of granularity there and we'll get into it i'm going to spend the summer sharing probably sharing photos with myself on another account <laughs> just to test this out won't that be exciting yeah i'm i'm, I'm happy they're doing it this way because like I feel like I would want like with me and Adina, we only really need to share stuff with each other right now where we are together, or we would share them manually. Because like, hey, I think you might want these images, but yeah. she doesn't need every photo I take, and I don't need every photo she takes. Right. Well, that's the idea, and yeah. so you can set it up where there's certain categories or certain types, or you, ha- and then you also always have the ability to just say, put this photo in the share, or select a bunch and say, mm. put these in the share, mm. and do it manually. Um, cool. I think Apple just wants to make it so that they can make it easier than that, right? Because that's not that much fun to say every so often I have to go and select all my photos and move them over, and like they want to make it more magical than that if they can. If you would like to ask us a question for us to answer on the show, just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members' Discord. Thank you so much to our members who help support the show and to Capital One, Sourcegraph, and Squarespace for sponsoring this week's episode. If you want to find Jason online, go to sixcarlos.com. You will find uh, some great articles there from Jason and Dan about all of the new betas uh, for public betas for consumption uh, that are available now. You can find Jason. He is at Jsnell on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week. Uh, don't forget, maybe if you've still gotten here and you've not gone to UpgradeYourWardrobe.com to buy yourself a T-shirt... You better do it before it's too late. It could already be too late. And if you didn't do it, I'm sorry. We've reminded you, I think, four times. So, you know, what do you want from us? Wednesday, Jeez. July 13th is the last day. Get it then or be sad. You just heard from the t-shirt ghost. And, you know, Ooh, the t-shirt ghost, you know it's I bad. I was a t-shirt nobody bought. Ooh, I'm not available. Ooh. Say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye. Goodbye.